Okay, so welcome to the Robin O'Sherwood Power of Two podcast. <laughs> I've got Karen with me this time. Dan's on holiday, taking a leaf out of Robin's book from uh, King O'Sherwood. He's taken a holiday. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Will Scarlett and much, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's see how we get on without the moisture. I'm sure we'll do fine. <laughs> So, okay, we talk a little bit, as um, as we normally do, about the history behind the characters and then get into the Robin Sherwood interpretation. So, we'll do much first. Much is in the ballads, right? As I recall. Yeah, they're, well, they're both original characters from the ballads. Much, from what I've read, is uh, not, not particularly well fleshed out. He's, he, I mean, the name, even the name's a bit... A bit of a strange one. Yeah. It's not a traditional medieval name. Not um, No, and and why does it matter that he's the Miller's son? You know, but he's always been much the Miller's son. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the the name from what I've I've seen sometimes in stories, he's been he's also been a giant similar to little john um and he's been one of three brothers called much more and most or something um with most being the best yeah i've seen i've seen it being much of a muchness so his parents were almost like yeah it's another kid <laughs> but it, it's an odd name when you think about it yeah it is i seem to recall he's also a violent little hoodlum in the ballads doesn't he uh, murder a priest or something with Little John? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think he, I think Little John murders the priest and doesn't much kill his page or yeah, child. Something like, that. something like that. So he's like, you know, that that's more dishonourable, shall we say? Yeah. Well, luckily um, Richard Carpenter cleaned him up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh. It's actually the more you think about much as as this character that's been around for hundreds of years, and yet he's very poorly defined. So, you know, with Kip, he he, he could basically have gone anywhere. I think with with the character because there was there was nothing nothing there that for him to base it on. Yeah, well, I think that what he did was he tried to make each character distinctive in their personalities, like seven different archetypes when we're talking about the outlaws. So much in Robin of Sherwood is considered a little simple. And that really, if you look at his arc all the way through the three years, he does develop and start to grow as a character. And he gets oh, to... I mean, point. I've always... Excuse me. I've always thought that um, much as as a base character is got some parallels with Swiftnick in Dick Turpin, which was Kip's earlier big show. Because I think I think Swiftnick, Swiftnick also had that naivety that much has got, but Swiftnick was sharper, I think. But I, I think much in Robin of Sherwood was he's almost like the everyman he's 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 like quite an important character that you see writers use where he's your way in to what's going on like um the doctor who companions are supposed to be your way in to to these fantastical worlds and and i, I think much in a way is is maybe supposed to be playing a similar role um of just just this sort of innocent you know, you, you know, you, in a way you're seeing what's happened through an innocent's eyes. Well, it is kind of, it is something they use, actually. For example, in uh, Children of Israel, uh, Robin has to explain to him the idea with the uh, signal arrow. So we know what's, uh, what's going on as viewers. So, yeah, you're right yeah, about that. That's, I think, really, I think that it did that deliberately. Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't have Robin explaining that to any of the others except perhaps Marion or Tuck, possibly. Because the others would already know this. Yeah. But, um, he's also in The King's Fool. They use him to um, punctuate the, uh, the emotions 
really effectively, especially after the whole Little John and Robin scene in the barn when Mudge comes in and says, Robin, why was Little John crying? And you, you don't have to show yeah. it, you can have much um, explain it and that works beautifully, I think. Yeah, and it, I think it's easy to overlook Mudge's role in the Marys because a lot of the others like Scott, for example, are much showier and much much flashier as characters. But he is actually, quite, I think, quite an important character within the group. Well, I mean, he allows he allows others to show sides of their characters that they wouldn't be showing if he wasn't there. He's kind of that character that allows people to do that. I think he's also one of the hardest parts to probably he was probably one of the hardest parts to play because he, he could have played it totally wrong, but he got it so perfect. I mean, all kudos to um, Peter Llewellyn Williams. I mean, he really nailed that character because he did, he did leave room that that character could grow in how he was portraying it. And I, I, yeah, he really did. And it, it just felt so effortless, effortless. The, the way he did it you know you never felt at any point that he was that he was really acting it just he just seemed to inhabit the character so well yeah I mean perfectly yeah I really uh, I really like the much character and I like the way the others kind of uh, care for him now you can see that yeah. he's paternal in a lot of ways I, I think it I think it's really good with the story arc as well how how they did develop him a little bit and if we'd ever got Legendary Season 4, I would have liked that to have been built on. I hope it would have been to some extent. Because I think with Much's character uh, and uh, Robin and Sherwood in general, I mean, although Much is occasionally referred and made out to be a bit simple, I mean, there, there's, there's nothing really that, that you would put your finger on and say... That, that he has a learning difficulty in, in some way. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's you know, you, he, he's, he's perfectly capable of doing thing they set him to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it was right that he grew, almost like he was maybe just a bit of a slow developer, you know, but he was, he was coming into his own at the end of the third series. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to have seen his character grow. Yeah, he really does by the end of Time of the Wolf. He's really, um, he's really developed from where he was in the first year. And then they stop the damn thing. This is just typical. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do wonder if, and this is a big if, if Loxley had not died, whether much as a character would have grown up so much, almost like losing his big brother in a way allowed him to step forward into a more of an adult role and and he was able to do that under Huntingdon because you know Huntingdon as a leader he had that same kind of background of brotherly affection so he and he's maybe expecting more of him and you know he stepped in here's an here's an adult in a in a group of adults you know pull your finger out so you know, perhaps he could do that a little bit more. It's possible that that is a motivation for him. Yeah. Not quite um, sure, actually. It would have been interesting to see. Because the Robin much relationship in the first two years was one of my favourite scenes, you know. The way that was written, I thought that was just beautiful. So yeah, I mean, you know, I've always, I always wanted to know more about that sort of setup with the Miller and um, Robin being effectively adopted by them. And, you know, were there any other Miller children, you know, because having one child in that period is highly unusual. So, you know, were there others? We just don't know. <laughs> we don't know. And also, as is common in Robin and Sherwood, we hardly know anything about much as a mother. Yeah. I mean, Mother's Day didn't seem to be very popular with Richard Carpenter because. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, was that his mum who jumped in the river? I think it was. You know, but it, we, 
assume it was, and then what happened to her? Because she wasn't dead. <laughs> well, not at that point. So what? Uh, no. Yeah, what happened after that? And it, he says he runs back to Robin and says he's with the saints about his. Yeah, doesn't say what happened to her. I mean, maybe that wasn't his mom. Maybe that was the Miller's second wife that he did get on very well with which you know i mean we literally don't know the only the only other family member we have for much is his granddad who turns up much later doesn't he yeah um, yeah and he's he's really the only the only other bod and and that in itself is quite odd because um you know you'd think when when there's the whole hoo-ha with them being made outlaw and and um what have you why why didn't much go go to nottingham and live with his granddad at that point <laughs> you know so it's just these these family members pop up hmm. when they're required yeah they just needed an excuse for much to go to nottingham yeah, exactly. I, to be honest, it would have been really nice if he had a granddad character. He'd gone to visit his mum yeah. and, um, and and had the same actress back. That that would have been re really nice, actually, if they'd done it that way. Yeah. Um, Probably not sure. You know, and perhaps he'd not, he'd not visited her before because he didn't, he felt he was putting her in danger. That That actually would have been... Yeah. Or possibly a more more grown up way of series where you actually you know which I think they do more now as a matter of course than they did in the eighties. Yeah, it was just straight to the point in the eighties. Yeah. I mean nowadays he'd run up to Robin and say, like my our father's been murdered, and Robin would say, "What about your mother?" And much would say, "She's a little wet, but she's okay." And, <laughs> She she swims with the fishes. <laughs> but yeah, we, we just we don't know what happened to his mum. We've literally no idea. <laughs> now we're in BBC Robin Hood territory. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it, it's quite sad, really. That that, but I mean, for the series, for the time it was made and everything, it, it will drop the ball a bit. Things like that. Robin, mum and dad, Gisborne just put a cap up their asses. <laughs> Might probably got eaten by a dragon in that series. Sherwood crocodiles. <laughs> yeah. A megazoid or something. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> the Nottingham radiation strikes again. So I mean it's it's interesting to watch much in his relationships. So we have in the first two years, he's closest to Robin and Marion, it seems. And in series three, he has a whole thing with Little John where they go to Havisage for a year. And yeah. he kind of and then, good friends with yeah. Will, it seems. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, think about it, him going off to Havisage with Little John between season two and season three. In a way, it sort of comes out of nowhere because you don't see a close bond between yeah. those two. But, but little John is always quite a fatherly figure, isn't he? So it's quite natural that he would maybe have picked up the straggler and taken him with him. But then as series three develops, again, you don't really see much of a relationship between Much and little John, but he does seem to be getting this more of a bond with Scarlet as Scarlet's character is softening. Yeah. They, they do seem to pal up a little bit. Yeah, and that, that is really nice to see. And that's from um, the middle of series three onwards, I think, because they have the whole thing in St. Syracus where they're, they're talking about um, basically having a role in the hay in a village somewhere, as I interpret it. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh... Yeah, well, Will's referring back to something he's done previously, didn't he, when he lost his trousers? Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the fact that he has that conversation with Much shows that in his mind, Much has grown up. Because yeah. I don't think he would have had that conversation with him in the previous two seasons 
it would almost have been like an adult not disclosing things to a child. Whereas the fact he does do it, he's now seeing him as an equal and somebody who could have a sexual adventures of his own, yeah. I think. Yeah, and that, that is an episode we would have got if Kip had got his 10 o'clock time slot, which I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a bit more bawdy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Confessions of a wolf's head. <laughs> Lone wolf's head. It would have been uh, cool, I think. I mean, in character way. Or possibly it would have ruined it forever. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in a way, Syracuse was quite bawdy enough. Yeah, um, we got Ray Windstorm running around with no um, underwear on. Yeah, Which, or, or black underwear. Yeah, so. kept disappearing or not. <laughs> I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that was on purpose, like somebody had dared him. <laughs> to do a bit with nothing on and I think he went for it. I can imagine that they thought, come on, Ray, I dare you. This is good. Yeah, In standard definition, there's no way this is ever going to come out on Blu-ray 40 years later, what you got to worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he d he had already shown everything he got in Quadrophenia anyway, so I mean, I don't think... Well, I've not watched that. No, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's what I think, and I, I suspect even like the editors were having yeah. a bit of a laugh, and they they maybe cut a, cut an edit together with parts being shown, shall we say, expecting yeah. it to be pulled before it went on screen, and it wasn't. It's kind of a bit of a lark. Let's see if we can get this. <laughs> yeah, and I I yeah I think it uh, I think it was not intended to be on screen. No. I mean, I, the last thing I expected at 5.35 on the kids' TV show is Ray Winstone Sharon stoning because he climbs up. <laughs> I don't remember when I first watched it. I, don't, I just remember thinking, did I actually just see that? Um, well, I, mean, I did I video recording the series uh, when it was first shown. So, I, I, you know, after the second and third viewing of it, I was like, yeah, I did actually see that. I think it's only after DVD and Blu-ray became available that people... Oh, no, no, I spotted it on the actual live broadcast, let me tell you. <laughs> I remember it distinctly. Well, you would. I would totally would, yeah. Big Will Scarlet fan, I was glued. Yeah, I have no, <laughs> no reply to that. <laughs> but no, I mean... I, it was, I did quite enjoy that episode in, in parts, shall we say. Yeah, I can tell which parts. <laughs> <sighs> okay. But okay, now we've neatly segued into Will Scarlet. Let's discuss other parts of him. <laughs> right, well, Will is uh, another original Robin Hood character from the ballads going right back pretty much to day one. Uh, same as much, same as Little John, same as Robin himself. They're pretty much your core four. Will's probably, in a way, slightly more uh, unusual. Actually, Alan Adele's another key one, isn't he, at the start? Um, but uh, he seems to have interchangeable surnames. Yeah. Um, there's like, yeah, there's there's Will Gamble, uh, Will Stutely, Will Scathlock, obviously, Will Will Scarlet, obviously, and sometimes they are different characters, and sometimes they're one character. So it makes me wonder. I mean, obviously, obviously Scarlet is a pseudonym, but whether there is um. An, an original historical man with one of the other surnames who was the basis of Will Scarlet. Obviously, we don't know. But they have a gravesite, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, it's in Blidworth in Nottingham, not that far from Sherwood Forest. I mean, it's not it's not a proper 
marked gravesite, but um, legend has it going way back that that's where he was buried. Uh, the actual grave now is marked by what looks like um, some kind of gate post. Mm. Um, and it's been moved around the churchyard a few times, so it's obviously not marking a grave. But it's it's quite nice that um, apart from little John in Haversage and um, Robin Hood himself at Kirkley's, Will is the only other Mary that I know of who has actually got a marked gravesite. Yeah, I can't think of any others. No, I can't either. But in terms of the series, it's great that uh, that he's called Scarlet because he's so enraged. Yeah, I mean, Kip, Kip's brought, pulled that out of nowhere. That's that's a complete Kip invention. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Kip, Kip again, he, he's created the Will Scarlet character from 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 nothing from his own from his own head. There is nothing that I've read prior to Robin Sherwood where they have a Will Scarlet character who is anything like what's in the series. Um, the original ballads are a have him a little bit violent, but only only in the same setting as 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 the others. He's not like he's excessively no, he's not anything. You know. But, I mean, but uh, by, by the time of Ross he's basically wears red clothes and acts like a bit of a dandy and sometimes takes on the Alan Adele minstrel role. So almost complete opposite of what Kip has him doing. Yeah, well, I remember in the Errol Flynn one, he's like this very happy character. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long way from that, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, uh, I suppose um, outings for the character since then um i suppose most specifically i'm thinking prince of thieves where will scarlet was played by christian slater yeah. um you've got a little bit of robin of sherwood's influence coming through i think because the christian slater will scarlet is quite moody and and he's, he's got that sort of stroppiness that robin of sherwood's will's got so i think there's a little little bit they've taken a little bit of that over but again in all the uh, incarnations since since Ross, they haven't carried that over. No, I mean in the BBC one, I seem to recall he was much um, a bit more of a calmer character. Mm. But I think if you look at Hanson now, when they have the big fight, for example, you I don't know if you could put that on TV in that time slot now because it is so um, intense. I wonder if the character as Red played him is just too intense for kids' um, TV. I don't know. I mean, I always took the Hearn Sun fight. There was a lot of humour in it. Yeah. Particularly when you're, you are cutting back to Daniel Peacock and um, and his brother who were, you know, um, getting rid of Gisborne while the fight's going on. But, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of humour in it. I, I, I mean, I always... I remember when I watched it originally when uh, Robin and Sheldon were on, so we're talking what, 85, 86, and just, just thinking really how amazing Ray's performance was because the character could come across as very one-dimensional, you know, very much just sort of this aggressive bully boy, football hooligan type character, which you do see some reviewers who... Uh, frankly haven't been paying attention to the series <laughs> say that that's that's the character but but it's not it's much deeper than that there's many more layers than that I think well, you know he does show his soft side yeah he does I mean he is as a role it must have been fantastic to get this uh, character to play you know he, he... yeah I think I think for Ray it was an absolute gift yeah it wouldn't have worked with anyone else because if you look at how he goes from uh, calm to manic and he does it so believably, it's, yeah. it's just unbelievable. You can actually see him getting more and more wound up and it, it just... I mean, I don't, I don't think I've seen him 
better his performance than, than what he did in Robin of Sherwood. And I've, I've watched most of what he's done over the years. And I, I genuinely don't think he's bettered it. But I think part of that is because Kip had made that point, hadn't he, of trying to write um, for the actors once he got to know, know them. So you're getting that sort of symbiotic relationship between uh, what the actors can give you and, and what the writer is giving the actors. So I, I think that worked across all of the characters, really. But, but um, Bray in particular, he got something to get his teeth into. Well, um, I mean, he ran with it. As I understand it, the whole Robin Will conflict came out of uh, Michael and Ray couldn't seem to get along. Yeah. Just rub it in. Yeah. And apparently, at one point, Ray was going to throw Michael off a cliff, and <laughs> the stunt team had to get in there to <laughs> <laughs> save him. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I remember some story about punching a wall at a party as well. I can't. I can't quite well, remember. That was at Nick's, uh, Nick Grace's party, apparently. And now, let me see if I can remember this story and do it any kind of justice. Probably not. <laughs> apparently, Nick decided to throw a big party for all the cast and crew at some new flat he'd rented. And Ray came up to him and said something like, Nick, Nick, how much do you love me? Tell me you love me. And Nick said, what do you mean? And he said, um, just tell me you love me, Nick. Tell me you love me. Please, tell me you love me. What do you mean, right? Okay, come with me. And they went into this room, and there's Peter Williams, apparently, with like a towel around his head, like a turban sitting on the floor. And Nick said, what's going on? And Ray said, well, you know, singing in the rain, right? Where he goes up the wall and flips over. Well... <laughs> And then Peter moved, apparently, and there's a big hole in the wall. And uh, he's, he really said, we were trying to do this singing in the rain thing, and my foot kind of went through the wall. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's as I remember the story, but I might have got it wrong. Well, it's more than I remember. I just remember a hole in the wall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the Ray was involved somehow. <laughs> Ray apparently was the worst one you know, for pranking and apparently one of the things he used to do was um, if he knew that there was an archaeological dig in the area, he'd go and like find some antique coins and throw them in. Yeah, I, I have heard, I've heard that story, yeah, that he, he did do that on at least one occasion. Yeah. Um, he was in fact, I think it might have been when they were at Barclay Castle, was it? Oh, and um, they... It, there was an archaeological dig nearby and he went to the gift shop and uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen them. They're these little cards that have got fake medieval yeah. coins <laughs> in them. And, and as I remember, which again could be wrong, he bought several of those, took them out of the packets and then dug a hole and put them in, put them in on the archaeological dig. So... I imagine there were some archaeologists the next day not very impressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he, he can. Yeah, it, I'm sure it was Bar Barclay. Wasn't that the one where um, one of the Edwards, uh, King Edwards, got yeah, a red-hot poker yeah. up his bottom? Yeah, he um, um, And they, they were filming in the room where that was supposed to have happened. Yeah. And um, one of the tour guides told them while, while they were sitting in the room and they were all horrified because <laughs> they'd not heard the story before. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, that is Berkeley Castle as I understand it, so yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm trying, to think, I'm trying to think what it was used for in the series, actually. It I've was, gone blank. Um, I believe it was something in The Betrayal because yeah. I used to have a, a really nice picture of Jason sitting in the window there, which I don't have. Oh. Any. Uh, unfortunately. I don't think I've ever seen that photo, you know. I'm, I might think differently if I saw it, but I, yeah, but I can't place it. In the costume. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And I seem to think that someone, somehow I found out that this photo was at Berkeley Castle in the room. So I'm assuming that they filmed something for betrayal at that castle. But I, I yeah, it must have been if you had the Decarnac. Yeah. Or not. But, I wonder um, what it was. 
Um, you know who would know, don't you? Yes, someone who's not here right now. Yes, yes, Dan Rendell, where are you when we need you? <laughs> we'll be back in months. Yeah. No, but it's also interesting if you look at Will Scarlett that he's the only one with any military experience that I recall. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could you could it broadly class Nazir in in there if you. Yeah, you wanted kind of, to, but um, not not quite the same thing, is it? I mean, you know, it 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 does make you will with Will, particularly what's hap what happened in his life, because he's quite clearly from London, and his brothers ended up in Lichfield hmm. for whatever reason we've no idea. He's he um. Has obviously either been drafted into the army or has joined the army at some point. Uh, fought in France, hasn't he, with Moth? Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I always saw it that he perhaps got he got out of the army and then he'd met Elena in Nottinghamshire somewhere. I mean, they say her folks came from Loxley, mm. don't they? But. Mm you know presumably they must have left Loxley or 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 escaped when it was oh, he says um, or something. he says they died there did, did he, he no i thought he said her folk my wife's folks oh he says yeah he says i wish yeah, she died with, died with them. so she yeah. she must have already left but, but she must have been a child someone must have escaped with her yeah, she must. She must have been a child when she she left Loxley, just because of the age yeah. ranges involved. And most she's going to be. I mean, if you think she's possibly the same age as Will, and he was a few years older than yeah, that would make her five. So she would have been about eight or nine. Yeah, possibly. Loxley. She's not older than ten. So you know, why why was she not in Loxley when it all kicked off? Maybe. But but anyway, she wasn't. So he's met her at some at some undisclosed place in Nottinghamshire, presumably. I always got the impression they were probably newlyweds. Yeah. Um when the whole um Brabantson mercenaries thing happened. And and that's basically his life as we know it before um, before Robin comes skipping into his life. Yeah, then he's in. And that's more than we know probably about any of the other outlaws. To be fair. True. I mean, most of them are fairly mysterious. Yeah. In terms of their backstories, but with Will, we have some uh, distinctive facts, which is nice. But it does explain why he's the one who teaches Robin how to use a sword. Yeah. And one can presume that he also had some idea about battle tactics. Yeah. I mean, certainly the first few episodes of season one, he's, he's, he's got a slightly different role, hasn't he, than, than sort of season two, where yeah. Robin's almost looking up to him in a way, because he, I suppose Will has knowledge that he doesn't have. So he's, he's, taking tactical advice and what have you from Will, isn't he? And then I suppose it's almost maybe that's at the root of why there was that antagonism with the characters in season two, because that balance of power shifted a little bit and where Will was maybe slightly above Loxley in season one, but I see two Loxley slightly above Scarlet and he doesn't like it. I always thought accepting that leadership. Yeah, I always thought, well, a couple of things regarding that. And firstly, is that Will is like the catfish role, which is the best one. He's always getting people moving and asking questions and stuff. But yeah, he's, he's a really important character. Yeah, I also thought, I mean, that the, uh, the whole dispute between them came for something to do with the King's Bull when he tells Robin, don't go to Nottingham. And he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was right all along. And I just took it to be like a development of that somehow. Yeah, it could, it could be 
or it could be both really i guess um yeah. i mean that that was that was beautifully built up during season two i mean Oh, all yeah. kudos to, to Kip and to the actors, really, because, you know, it was there were just little lines that were fed through season two that then built up to that all kicking off in the, yeah. um, I mean, in the Children of Israel. Yeah. I mean, when they, uh, when they have that argument and Robin grabs him, it looks like they're going to kill each other. Mm. No, it really does. I, I bet they really enjoyed playing that as well, just getting yeah. all their niggles really, out. <laughs> really like there's going to be some serious uh, trouble here. Yeah. But by the time you get to greatest enemy, and they're in the hut, and uh, this is the hooded man makes the little hole in the wall, you can see that they've resolved their issues, and then it's all taken away from him again. Yeah, I think. I think. Um... I think with with Scarlett's questioning uh, of Loxley, and I always took it that it was it wasn't like he hated him or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was almost like he was being the conscience, you know, almost just sort of going, "Well, why are we doing this? Is this the right thing to do? Have you thought this through?" And when nobody likes being questioned all the time, so you can sort of understand Loxley's reaction but I, but i think with both of them it was almost it was always done from a place of love almost you know they they really did care about each other but oh. were maybe just not presenting it the best way <laughs> well in both of the trees will's asking look what about these soldiers we should just kill them which i can see the logic in that but what will hasn't realized is that it's 5 35 on a saturday night and they're not alone <laughs> He's thinking they got the 9pm slot. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's thinking, oh, look, <laughs> we should be on later, you know. <laughs> um, and then, um, but you can see that's kind of the point where he's trying to reason with Robin. And then later on, if you watch them in sequence, he gets more and more frustrated and angry. Yeah. It kind of be beautifully uh, builds up. It reminds me, actually, I've just uh, recently re-watched an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah. Where um, uh, it was the end of season five, I think. And there's this uh, character called Ben, I think, who's been inhabited by this uh, god called Glory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and basically Buffy defeats glory and ben's injured and but to to stop glory coming back she's got to kill ben and she doesn't and she walks away and then giles comes in mm. and just quietly says she won't kill you because she's the hero yeah but i'm yeah. not and he he kills glory and it reminds me a little bit there of the loxley uh scarlet thing there because loxley couldn't go and kill those soldiers because he is the hero yeah but Scarlet could go and do it because oh, yeah. he. <laughs> yeah, so I could see a parallel there with the with the characters. One of my favourite things, and it's a well much thing, is in Saint Syracuse, and it's not that no. And it's where Will has the discussion. What are you going to say? It's strategically placed trees. <laughs> discussion with Robin about um about whether they should kill Gisborne. Yeah, and it's this great scene where he's saying, uh, what did he say? Um, you might be a Nelson and he might be a knight, but you're the same. You know that scene? Yes, then, where he's right on the money in, in ways that he doesn't even know, but yeah. he's bang on. Yeah, and then he says, uh, you can't kill him, but we can. And I, yeah. love that. I just love that scene. And then they all run off, the three of them. You see, the three, and much goes with them as well. And there's this great bit where Will has got one of Gisborne's soldiers and he's ramming his head into a tree and saying, where's Gisborne? And I think, watching it now with my kids, I think, bloody hell. <laughs> and then in the background, you have much, and he's looking at one of the dead soldiers and he just says, Gisborne's men, you know, he's just realised this. But what do we think about um, Will as as 
um, almost being like a little bit sort of psychic, a little bit woo-woo and, and being used by Hearn because he's the one, isn't he, in The King's Fall who gets the, gets the arrow. Um, and no, nobody else is ever used in that way apart from Marion. I don't think you could do it with Will. No, I, I don't think he would accept that that's happening. Or, you know, it'd be like, oh, that's woo-woo. That's nothing to do with me. But in a, in a little way, he sort of is used a little bit. But if yeah. it was up front, he'd reject that totally. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think that Bray is the actor you could play that with. He's just not got that. He's very, he's too down to earth almost. Yeah, he wouldn't. He would. He, they they used it the only way they could in the series. Yeah. Um, with with him, but it, I just find it quite amusing. Like you say, with 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 the comment he also made about the um, you know, that he's he's very intuitive in that sense that he's he's there's that layer, isn't he, where he says mm -hmm. you know you're the old son in Gisborne and you're the same. It's like he, he, that sort of intuitive there that's that, that it's, ne it's never it's, it's it's it happens a couple of times with him i can't yeah. think of any other examples but that did just remind me it happens a couple of times um but you could you could never develop that with him no because he he would the character would back away but like i say hearns used him at the end of season one so you know maybe maybe there is this sort of underlying thing with the character that he would never but he doesn't use it in a magical way no 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 it's just in it's just almost in intuition he's he's yeah you know he's almost got like a sense for it yeah but then again we don't know because the scene cuts yeah but i don't think there is any interaction whatsoever between will and her in the whole series no there, there's just an arrow isn't there yeah other than that the yeah, so the other thing I was just thinking was uh, the beginning of Hearn's son. Not the beginning of Hearn's son. The beginning, it must be the beginning of part two of Hearn's son, where it, it Will sort of goes, it wasn't you I heard. Yeah. And, you know, and again, there's just that little bit. It's just, just very, very, very nicely done. I mean, the, the thing I remember um, is actually something me and my brother used to, a, a, a complete side thing here. Uh, something me and my brother used to absolutely howl at when um, we used to watch Ross ad infinitum uh, when it was after it was first shown because we recorded it. And Willie's actually obsessed with pigs. <laughs> you see that in uh, Rutterkin particularly, but all the way through his. His language constantly referring to pigs is really quite funny once you spot it. You know, it's all pigs and fly, nice bit of pig. So it's all the time pigs. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be something I've never noticed that before, but because pigs seem to be his thing. Yeah, if you if you if you actually I can't remember, but me and my I do remember me and my brother once we actually went through and counted all the, all the times he referred to pigs, and it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I never thought that. But no, apparently Ray was absolutely terrified of the pigs in Rutterkin. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, Annie, um, when she's uh, a carpenter, when she's playing Mad Mab, I mean, she'd said herself, didn't she, that she yeah. thought uh, Kip had wanted her for the role because she knew if the pig peed and pooed on her, she wouldn't flounce off because she had to carry on because she was his wife. <laughs> 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 so maybe maybe Ray just didn't fancy that. No, apparently. But yeah, if you if you watch if you watch that segment, you can actually see how scared he is of the pigs because he doesn't touch any of the pigs, and he's really right in the background all the time. Whereas normally you'd expect him to be sort of quite in the foreground, fighting for screen time like he normally does. You know, reacting. Da da da. He's in the background. Yeah, yeah, I heard. I remember Phil saying, Phil Rose saying that Ray was terrified of those pigs. Was whilst they had to film the scene where they put them back in the uh, in the pen. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, you can see it on screen, um, but yeah, it does have an extra dimension when you when you do watch it. But I mean, that mother pig was huge. 
That was not that was not a small pig. Pigs are big animals. Yeah, yeah. You're not used to them, I guess. They can be scary. Yeah, I suppose with his background, I mean, he's unlikely to have been around farm animals very much, I'm guessing. No. So I mean ten Growing up in the countryside, the only ones that tend to be free roaming tend to be sheep and cows. Well, yeah. It'd be rare. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the country, but I've never had to see free range pigs, you know? It's always sheep. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think I have whenever I've even, yeah, when I've been to farms, the pigs are always in pens. Well, I think if not... a pig was running towards me, I'd run like hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to it. Uh, I think it's I think it's cows that worry me more. But then I've been chased when I've been on my horse. Yeah, quite a few times. I've been yeah. chased across fields by cows. So, <laughs> yeah, they are huge. They tend to be docile. But um, yeah, they're, they're, unless you've got a dog. Yeah, that I don't know. I've not been in that. However, we are digressing somewhat here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's bring Dan. Yeah, let's go back again. So these characters, they've changed and evolved throughout the whole series. Where do you think they should have gone by the end? If we'd have had one more series or film or whatever. Um, much. I think it's quite easy to see where he was going, which was more growing up, taking on more responsibility, um, generally moving in that direction. I mean... Um, Actually, Dan did raise, didn't he, when we were doing the prep for this podcast, uh, Dan had found um, a quote from Kip from somewhere. I'm afraid I can't, I can't say where, I don't remember, unless you do. Um, oh. Where the idea for season four, that one of the ideas that Kip was mentioning was potentially killing much off, having him murdered, wasn't he? Yeah. I think this might have been in Robin of the Movies, you know, the book. Oh, right, yeah, I do have that. Uh, I don't, couldn't tell you where it is, but I do have that. So, I mean, Kip, it dep- it, I've, I've not seen that anywhere else, um, and I don't know how much validity it has as a theory, which isn't to say Kip didn't say it, but... At, at some points, Kip was just saying any old thing. I think, really, with what was planned for season four, which was th- things like, you know, Marion would be missing for approximately half of the season uh, and things like that, I'm not sure that the series would have stood losing another one of the Marys during the season because you couldn't have had it happening at the end because at the end, you you know that he's going to have Robin and Mary and Mary, mm. um, you know, because uh, apart from that time when he was that one interview when he was in a bad mood and said he was basically killing everybody off that keeps getting quoted, his standard thing was the end of season four, Robin and Marion get married. So mm. you're killing much off. You if you're killing them off, you're doing it before then, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so I don't. I just can't see the series standing it, and I. It'd be interesting to talk to Peter Llewellyn Williams, actually, because I do wonder if he was driving that, like maybe he was considering leaving or whether it was, I don't know, just kept just throwing things, ideas out that he may have had just to shake the series up, but they wouldn't have ever been developed. Yeah, I think it was just like one of many vague ideas that, uh, that came up. I mean, I don't think he was really sure, to be honest, as to what he was going to do. But, I mean, I know he had a couple of vague ideas, but we've never yeah, had anything really concrete. I'm absolutely convinced he had blocked out season four. But by the time that it was, it was cancelled, they would have been at the stage where they're scouting out locations. So he must have had at least um, treatments drawn up for all the episodes and some of the scripts written. I'm absolutely convinced it was at that stage, but I don't think those things exist anymore. I think it would be silly not to have a vague idea of where you were going. With stuff. Yeah, because you can't you can't scout locations out unless you know what you're looking for. There's no 
you know, and they were, they were, I think they were starting to cast guest actors as well. So they had the characters. Yeah. You know. um, I think they were, I remember Phil Rose saying that they were very close to uh, getting season four at one point. So they yeah. were being all systems. He, he, he did more than he perhaps, he, I, I wish, to be honest, he was still here because I would totally now just, completely <laughs> interrogated <laughs> what, what okay what was episode one what had you got planned right okay episode two go <laughs> yeah. i mean he he went through a period of talking about what series four was going to be and then he kind of didn't after that yeah it, but it was probably quite painful because i expect he put an awful lot of work into that and um i always think uh Ross for him was it was almost like um it was his baby and it was yeah. you know and 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 to to never have it realized in a way it must it must have been really annoying and and quite painful I think well I remember in when they had the first convention in 1987 he was saying look we're going to do Robin or Sherwood and we're going to continue it if he kills us meaning himself and Paul Knight you know, they were absolutely determined to get it back. And I think in terms of the love of the property, but also financially, it was huge to them. Yeah. So and they, and yeah. ironically, if it had been, if if what had happened to um, Robin and Sherwood had happened now, I think there's a really good chance it would have been picked up by somewhere like Netflix or Amazon Prime. And, and it would have carried on. Mm. Um, so it, it, it was just, um, it was a victim of, of time to an extent, I think. Yeah. You know, because it's like The Last Kingdom. They did two series on BBC and then BBC are like, meh. And, you know, Netflix pick it up and do another two series and, and the, the fifth's been confirmed, you know. And I, I think possibly the similar could have happened with Robin Sherwood, really. I would think so. I mean... I don't know what Robin and Sherwood would cost to make today, but... Except a million pounds an episode then. Mm. Yeah, but there are things you can do, I mean, to save money. Yeah, I mean, I think CGI and what have you is a lot cheaper. Yeah. Now, so, not that they overused it in Ross, although things like giant bees, but... (laughs) No, that, that was just a camera trick. Hmm rather than CGI. Yeah, which you would use now, as a matter of course. If that was being made now, you'd have CGI bees, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd just, you'd just find a different way to do it. So, I mean, if they could have worked, if they didn't, if they didn't put the fake bees on, you know, and just had yeah. the bees and just let your mind fill it in because you had just to- Just put the noise in. Yeah. <laughs> About as it stands, it is what it is. It is what it is. But I, I think for Will's character, I could see that he was softening by the end of series three. He was fairly, compared to what he was in series one, he was fairly mellow. And you kind of you need him to be a bit more the way he was before. He was just more dramatic. So, and this is going to be super controversial. But I think... They had the great opportunity to kill him off at the end of uh, Knights of the Apocalypse because I feel that the ending of that didn't quite, it didn't quite land, you know, it didn't have the emotional weight to it. And I think he should have died trying to save Robin. I think that would have been really good. I think Dan's had a thing about killing Will off as well, hasn't he? Sort of the thing that his arc had... Had ended. ended, Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, an opinion I share, probably because he's my favourite character. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd rather lose anyone else in the series, including Robin, (laughs) rather than lose Scarlet. Um, He is the catfish character, and he makes it in the band. So if you lost him, you lose a major element. So maybe yeah. the very, very last episode they ever made? Yeah, I mean, if, you, if it was the very last episode, 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I'd, I'd probably be more on on board with it because I just I can't remember. I can't, somebody had a theory once that they were all um, the the Marys were were sort of like all the parts of a whole, like mm. like Robin was the head and Will was the heart, uh, and and John was the strength and they they, they had all. I can't remember the exact ones about it and and I suppose that if you take it that Scarlet is the heart he's the one with the, the passion and the, the feelings yeah. um if you take him out you really are missing something quite quite integral um if you, if you ask me where I think he was going in season four I would have said he would have continued on this arc of um softening up a little bit, uh, you know, uh, getting over his grief, that kind of thing. They may have introduced a uh, new girlfriend for him, possibly have him fall hard and then kill her off again. So that Mary goes mental again. And, and but maybe perhaps being in the band, he sort of He's got that support network around him, so you you seeing him react slightly differently, maybe. Yeah. But that that's more where I'd see. Going. I could not see Kip killing that character off unless Ray wanted to leave. Not because I think Kip knew. I think Kip knew what he got in Ray. You know, I remember him saying at, at one of the legend conventions um, that I organised that he was he was saying. That, you know, Ray was the one who'd come to him at the end of at the end of scenes or the end of the day and say, "Did did I do that scene right? How could I do it better? You know, have I got have I got the character right?" And he was the one who was coming to Kip and you know really asking for direction and and taking direction. So I I think Kip probably quite liked that and wouldn't wanted to lose him. I don't think. If I was writing it, I wouldn't want to lose uh, the Will character because he's he gives so much life to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he almost, I think without <clears throat> Will Scarlet in it, it really does fall more into a children's well, drama. Yeah, that's what we he's the one who sits <laughs> at the edge and lifts it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's what we were saying earlier. With um, yeah, this really because he put so much um, gusto and enjoyment into stabbing someone, for example. <laughs> yeah. Using oh, yeah. he just seemed to really enjoy that. Yeah, he. I mean, uh, yeah, I, th I think <laughs> it was a role he was born to play. Really, yeah, um, in the, in the same way that I think. Robert Addy was born to play Gisborne, and you, you, nobody else can play Gisborne. No. Um, w with anything like the layers that Robert Addy put in there, and um, I think I think the same with Will Scarlet and Ray. Really, yeah. you know, the other characters, I could, I think, I could possibly imagine other actors playing them, but those two, no. No, you, there are certain things you can't replace. Yeah, and that's uh, that's just the way it is. To go back to the ending of uh, Coda, uh, Knights of the Apocalypse, I should say, for those that aren't familiar with acronyms, <laughs> um, there was an early version of the audio script that somehow leaked. I don't know, and uh, it had a great ending for Will. At the end, it was great. It was much better than what we got, I thought, because the whole you, thing... I, I genuinely don't remember, so you're going to have to um, fill yeah, me yeah. in. I mean, I've read all the versions of the scripts once, and I've heard the audio once, yeah, so I, I'm far yeah. from an expert. I will remind you. <laughs> I mean, it was... I should talk about a little about that earlier script, because people, most people probably haven't read it. Okay, so what happened was, as I understand it, they got the rights to the Knights of the Apocalypse, they got Kip's uh, script, and they started work on it, and they produced a script, the first one. And, and this was, was, was this back in 
baffle gab. Yeah, this is the baffle gab. Yeah. Now, I know it's difficult to write Robin or Sherwood, but what they did was they had like the first half wasn't anything like Robin or Sherwood and the second half was. But what, one of the things that they put in that I felt really worked was the thing with Will at the end. Um, and basically the theme of it was, I gotta save Robin. And at the end, when they're having the big fight, Robin, one of the soldiers is going to kill Robin and Will gets in the way and he kills him and then Will falls over because he's got this sickness. And he says, before he falls over, he says, uh, saved you, saved you, saved you, saved you. And then he falls over. And I thought that is like a great ending for that. I could almost hear Ray playing it so well, you know? Yeah. And I thought, oh, and when I got the next, um, I don't know if I if another script leaked or not. I can't remember how this worked. I'm sorry. Or the either the audio or the other script. I can't remember. And it wasn't there. And I thought, oh, you made a mistake not using that because I I could hear Ray playing it and I could see it. It was just I thought this is great, you know. And of course, he didn't really die in the uh, Nights of the Apocalypse. But it, for a moment, I genuinely thought he had. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wow, this is really interesting now. They've like, taken this huge risk. Um, but, I mean, they didn't do it. So he was, if you think of Nights of the Apocalypse as the ending of Series 4, which we've talked about as more than likely. Then, no, I think it was the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ready for series five if they went there it was a nice yeah. ending and will was still alive so uh, so they could have done it but i think something like that where he sacrifices himself i think would have been in character and i think it would have been really moving i think it really yeah i mean if he's going out that's how he's going out oh yeah um for um, sure yeah um I mean, if you if you think anything different, you don't know the character. <laughs> no, he's definitely he's definitely going out in a, in a heroic way. He would definitely be trying to sell his life for the highest price, kind of thing. So he's going to try and save somebody that he cares about, isn't he? I mean, that's that's totally what the character is going to do. You know, I mean, the the worst thing I think for for Scarlet it would be like I don't know dying of sepsis in the in the forest or something isn't it he's gonna want to go go out in that blaze of glory type yeah, well you see that in Syracus yeah. yeah yeah he didn't he did not want to go out in illness no uh, I mean he that sort of Viking mentality of uh, you know go out with a sword in your hand so you're going to Valhalla he's almost got that kind of yeah. Way of thinking, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. He's uh, just got completely crazy. I would love to see uh, Fulon Will Scarlet going crazy. Look, <laughs> in the correct Viking term. <laughs> we that film and put it on the big screen and we'd have seen that. Oh, man. That was... Yeah. <sighs> Whereas I think Much would, if Much was going to choose the way he's going out, mm. he would like to go to sleep and not wake up. Yeah, I should think. Well, that, that right there is the difference. <laughs> but, I mean, it's nice that knowing the uh, audios, at least we have a bit more much development with his girlfriend, the meeting place story and stuff. I, I, haven't, um, <clears throat> I haven't heard slash read that one. So, um, not yeah, it's not something I know anything about. I thought it was okay. It was quite nice. Uh, nice little story. Oh yeah, I give it two thumbs up. Out of how many? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a nice little story for much. It, it yeah, I mean, I've heard, I've heard that about it. Um, for some reason, I've just not got round to that one. Well, won't it be in this new book? Um, that series, Bob. Yeah, it might, it might be actually. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. It might be. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, to be honest, I've, I've got piles of 
things to get to. So goodness knows when I get to that. Okay, and just in case anyone doesn't know what the hell we're talking about, which could be most people, <laughs> there is have switched a, new, by now. a new book coming out, which is a series for collection. And you can, at this moment in time, you can pre-order it. I think it's still available. So if you want to look that up, if you're interested, it could be pretty cool. Um, and I think the meeting... I think it's out soon, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I think it's out soon. I'm not sure of the date, which we probably should... Do you know it? Because we probably should say, depending on when people listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah. Out sometime October 2020. Not sure of the date. Yeah, and the date now is the 28th of September, in case Mm. you're wondering. So, yeah, you can pre-order it if you're interested. Okay, so that was Will and Much. So next time we're planning on discussing the sheriff and Gisborne. So I guess we'll say goodbye now. Bye. Bye.